Morning. Welcome to South Park Church. I'm Pastor Kyle Thompson. Thank you all for being with us today. Whether you're in the room here in our modern worship space or watching online or downstairs in our traditional space, uh, we're one church with two styles of worship and we come together for the message to hear from the Bible, the Word of God. Uh, and we're excited to be here today and I'm glad to see all of you here. I uh, missed you last week as my family and I were away for spring break and I just want to say thanks to Pastor Lindsay for kicking off this series. Uh, called Good Enough, in which uh, she did an amazing job last week, and so glad to have her on staff to do that, uh, and many other things. And uh, this series is based upon a book um, called Good Enough, uh, and it's by Kate Bowler and Jessica Ritchie. They're out of Duke University. And the premise is that in our lives, in our culture, there's a lot of pressure to be perfect, isn't there? We have to have the perfect job, the perfect car, the perfect house, the perfect family, uh, the perfect church. Uh, we can just, you know, go on social media and you'll see exactly everyone's living a perfect life, except probably for you and me, <laughs> because we all know that that is a stretch. We can't be perfect. So what does it mean to live a life that's good enough? Because we're not going to live a perfect life. What does it mean to live a life that is good enough? So that's what we're going to do in the midst of this series, and I hope we'll have some fun along the way. And today I want to talk a little bit about rules and laws that have been written to help us live better lives. And let's see if some of these rules or laws are helping us actually do that. These are some actual laws from places around the United States. This first one is, in Arkansas, it's illegal to pronounce Arkansas incorrectly. Evidently, they've got a real issue when you say Arkansas, right? And so uh, that was a big enough deal to make it a law, and it's still a law. Now, if you want to have fun with the people in Arkansas, go to the state line and say, Arkansas, and step over and say, Arkansas. You know, you can go back and forth and drive some people really crazy. So anyway, if you want to torture people in Arkansas, that's what you can do. Uh, let's see what's next. It's illegal to build, maintain, or use a nuclear weapon within Chico, California city limits. Now, that sounds like a good law to me. If I didn't love Charlotte so much, I'd probably want to move to Chico, California, where there's no nuclear weapons. But anyway, glad to know that that is a law somewhere. Let's see what the next one is. In Connecticut, a pickle fit for human consumption should bounce if dropped from a height of one foot. Right? So who is measuring this, right? I mean, do you, you go in the grocery stores and get the pickles out and drop it. And I was talking to Brad Bailey, who is our director of communications. You know, Brad, should I bring a pickle on Sunday and drop it and see if it works? He's like, you know, it might be too big of a deal to clean up. So <laughs> that is bad, I know. All right, that's worthy of Chris Bedell, our director of student ministry, kind of a joke. Let's keep going. Uh, in Gainesville, Georgia, it's against the law to eat fried chicken with a knife and fork. Has to be finger licking good in Georgia. Let's keep going. You may not own more than 110 pounds of potatoes at one time if you live in Western Australia. Not sure where that comes from. If you're into potatoes, you might want to move to Idaho where you probably own as many as you want. And then finally today, in Marion, Oregon, ministers cannot eat garlic or onions before delivering a sermon. Not a rule or a law in North Carolina, but I assure you, I did not have that for breakfast today. So anyway, very interesting legal rules, laws in place in America, right? And, and you look at those laws, you wonder, why are they? At some point, that law was probably written for a purpose. This will help us, it will help our state, it will help our society to have this, right? In some cases, maybe they've just been silly laws all, all along, like the Arkansas thing. Uh, some of them are still good laws, right? It would be probably good not to have a nuclear weapon floating around your town or whatever. Uh, and some laws are just, they're outdated, right? They served a purpose, 
and now they no longer serve a purpose. Now, what does this have to do with a good enough life? I want us to think about today, what does it mean to have a good enough spiritual life? Where you have a relationship with God, where you're working on your soul and your relationship with God, what does a good enough spiritual life look like? Now, for some of us, if we were honest, we're kind of slack in that area. Maybe we're a little lax and we just never gotten around to it, and that's okay, right? You're here, you're watching, you're thinking about spiritual life, that's good, that's good. For some of us, we'd love to have a spiritual life, we'd love to get started, but we just don't know where to begin. How do I have a relationship with God? I don't really see God walking around. How do I have a conversation? How do I understand the Bible? How am I supposed to pray? Like, what does that look like? I'd love to do it. I just need some help and some guidance. Some of us have a strong spiritual life. We're in touch with God. We, we have different things that we do to connect to God, and we're kind of in a sweet spot with that, and we're feeling good about that. And then some of us have been in a spiritual relationship with God, and it begins to become like a burden. It's like a checklist. Oh, I've got to read the Bible five times this week, or oh, I've got to go to worship again, or I've got to go to my small group. And, and like some of these laws that we saw that, that seem outdated or burdensome, sometimes as we're pursuing a relationship with God, it becomes legalistic and it's like a burden. Oh, I've got to go do this for God again. So where do you kind of fit in that spectrum today? We're going to talk about what it means to have a good enough spiritual life. And if you feel that your spiritual practices right now in your life have become too much of a burden, I want to help maybe lift that burden off of your shoulders because it can happen. We can have the best intentions to do the right things with reading scripture and coming to church for worship and serving and helping people. But pretty soon it, it becomes such a burden that we dread it. We don't want to read the Bible. We don't want to pray, all that kind of stuff because it becomes a burden. In this book, Good Enough, uh, the authors write about one of their friends who they know, her name is Rachel, and when she was a young adult growing up, she was in kind of a very strict religious community, and the only way that was accepted to pray to God was literally on your knees, right? Which we can see, you know, it's understandable, you, you get on your knees, it, it shows that you're obedient, you know, to God, it's out of reverence, you humble yourself before God, lots of people pray on their knees before God, but in this religious community, that's the only way that was accepted to pray. And every day you had to confess your sins to God so that you could be forgiven, so that if you died, you wouldn't go to hell. And so one day this young girl named Rachel had her appendix ruptured. They had to rush her to the hospital. She hadn't prayed that day to God. She was worried she was going to die. She hadn't been forgiven of the sins of the day. She thought she was going to go to hell. She wanted to pray to God, but there was no way she could physically, with the pain in her body, get off the hospital gurney and get on her knees and pray. And it was torturing her because she thought for sure she was going to die and she couldn't pray to God because that's the only way that she believed that you could pray to God. Now, we don't believe that in our church, in South Park Church. We believe you can talk to God anywhere you want to, wherever you are. But I just wonder sometimes, do we put burdens on ourselves in our relationship with God? Right? Am I praying enough? Is once a day good enough? Is twice a day good enough? Is three times? How do, how do we know? Is five times good enough? When I'm reading the Bible, right? How much is enough? Is one verse a day good enough? Is one chapter good enough? Do I need to read a book of the Bible a day? And does it have to be in a certain translation? 
right? Do we have to read it in the old King's English from the King James Version? I had a friend who's a pastor and he's looking for a church to serve and, and he went for an interview recently and they, he gave him a time to do a trial sermon and they wanted to know what version of the Bible you're reading for. And if he didn't say King James Version, they weren't going to hire him, right? So, right, does it, does it, is it a real worship service? If we go through worship, we don't say the Lord's Prayer, right? Are we good stewards of, of the property if we don't have a chicken pie supper every Christmas, right? right? We, do you see how we add these burdens into our lives as Christians as we're trying to follow God? Things that are good at first, but sometimes we forget what we're doing and they become more important than spending the time with God himself. In your spiritual life, do you feel burdened in any way trying to follow God because it's become more of a, a habit or a tradition or even a rule that you're trying to follow rather than to worship and spend time with God. Is something good? Has it become a burden? Well, let's go into the Bible and let's see what Jesus teaches us about this because he really wrestled a lot with people in his day in the first century in Israel who really got, got off track on what it looked like to have a personal relationship with God. So we're going to see Jesus interacting with some people called the Pharisees. They were religious teachers. They were religious leaders of the day. And they didn't like Jesus and his disciples because they seemed to be bucking all of the rules. The, the Jewish people in Jesus' day had 613 rules to follow, 613 commands. And the Pharisees were these religious legal lawyers that interpreted those laws. And they made sure that everybody around them knew what they were and had to follow them. And if you didn't, you'd get in trouble with the Pharisees. And so Jesus and his disciples are getting ready to get in trouble with the Pharisees. And let's see what happens in that. As we think about following God, is it a burden or not? So we're in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 12, uh, beginning with verse 1. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. Now, the Sabbath is the last day of the week in the Jewish week. It's a time where God said, on the Sabbath, you should do no work. You should rest. You've worked all week, you need a break, you need to rest, spend time with your family, spend time with God. Don't do any work, right? The Sabbath day, time to rest. The disciples, Jesus walking through, and it was legal during the week to like pick some food from the grains of people's gardens. They wouldn't get mad at you or whatever. But on the Sabbath, it's a problem, okay? So his disciples were hungry. They began to uh, pick some heads of grain and eat them. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to Jesus, look, your disciples are doing what's unlawful on the Sabbath. They're working. They're picking food. You should have had your food prepared yesterday so that you could rest today. You wouldn't have to, have to cook it right, or, or pick it. Right, so Jesus answered, haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? Right? David was the greatest king of Israel. He lived a thousand years before Jesus. And let's see what David did. Right? David entered the house of God, right? Kind of uh, the people in that day had this place where they worshiped God. They thought God was present. It was first called a tabernacle. It was a group of a series of tents. Later, David built it into a huge building where they worshiped people. Uh, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. So once a week, the priest of God would bake 12 loaves of bread in honor of the 12 tribes of Israel, and they would put it on the altar, and they would dedicate it to God. And no one's supposed to touch the bread, right? At the end of the week, they'd bake more bread, they'd take the old loaves off, they put the new loaves on, and the priest could eat the old bread, but no one could touch the new bread, and no one could eat the old bread except for the priest. David and some of his friends got hungry. They go in, they take not the old bread, but the kind of the new bread, they eat it, and they're not priest, and they could have gotten in a lot of trouble. So they're not supposed to do that, right? Or haven't you read in the law, 
that priests on Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent. Jesus says, well, there are priests who work on the Sabbath when no one's supposed to work on the Sabbath. What about them, right? He's giving them a couple of other instances of people breaking the rules, okay? I tell you that something greater than the temple is here, right? It's more important than this official worship, right? I'm the son of God, hello, right? If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, right? Give people a break, right? You're trying to follow all these sacrificial rules. You would not have condemned the innocent. For the son of man is the Lord of the Sabbath, right? Jesus, I am the Lord of the Sabbath, All right, Let's keep going. Going on from that place, he went into their synagogue, right? That's kind of a, a religious learning place. And a man with a shriveled hand was there, and looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, they ask him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Right? This man's got this withered hand. Right? It's not life-threatening. If Jesus wanted to help him out, he could wait till the first day of the week and do it right, and not break the Sabbath. So they're trying to get Jesus in trouble here. Um, so let's see what he says. So he said to them, if any of you has, a, has sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? Right? If your animal gets hurt on the Sabbath, it's work to do the Sabbath, but you're going to save the animal, right? How much more valuable is a person than sheep, right? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And then Jesus said to the man, stretch out your hand. And so he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out, and they plotted how they might kill Jesus. So what's Jesus teaching the Pharisees? Right? They're saying you shouldn't be plucking the grain on the Sabbath. It's against the rules. You shouldn't be healing a man's hand on the Sabbath. You can wait till the next day. It's not life-threatening. And Jesus said, look, guys, chill out. Right? The Sabbath was made to help people. Right? It, it's a good thing to rest. It's a good thing to take a break. It's a good thing to spend time with God. Right? And, and, and we, we, wanna continue. we still try to do that today even in the 21st century. Right? But he said, you know, sometimes you need, to, you need to make an exception to that, right? If someone's hungry, let them eat, right? Like David was hungry and he ate. Like my disciples are hungry, let them eat, right? If, if you have an animal who gets hurt, you're going you're gonna to say it's okay to help an animal, right? But you're not going to say it's okay to help a person, right? Jesus is like, look, what's the purpose of the law? It's to help people. And so if the law is preventing you from helping someone, right, you're going to have to step past that, right? Don't let the law get in the way of what it's intended to do is to help people. Right, so, so Jesus fires back at the Pharisees, and they do not like that. Right? They don't like it because he's going against their power. He's going against their interpretation. Right? So there's, there's 613 commands. They have to follow all these. And the Pharisees' job is to make sure people do that. So that gives them power. It gives them authority. It gives them standing in the community. So they feel threatened by that. And Jesus is like, sometimes, you know, just take a step back and ask yourself, what's the intended purpose of the rule and don't let that stop you from helping people, right? The rules to help people. So if you can help someone, right, take a break, right? Uh, There's a great, great quote from the authors of this book. Um, it says this, A rule that takes on absolute power becomes a blunt instrument, something that loses the purpose for which it was created, right? The law of the Sabbath was created to help people, right? Now, if you're going to choose not to help someone because of a law that was created to help someone, you're, you're missing the whole point of the law, right? And so... That's what Jesus is saying to the Pharisees. Just, you know, it, it is a good thing to do and honor the Sabbath, but sometimes you need to take a step back if it's not going to actually help someone. Right? And so they get mad at him, so mad 
that they want to kill him, right? So sometimes, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we got to discern, right, is something in our lives becoming a burden, right? Do we feel like, man, I've got to pray every day, five times a day, I just, my heart's not in that, then maybe we don't need to pray five times a day, right? See what I'm saying? Like, what's the intent of these rules? Now, I want to be real careful here, and, and, and not, I'm not saying ignore every law in the world, right? Uh you know, kid's going to go home, hey, Pastor Kyle said I don't have to follow any rules, Mom and Dad. Wow, this is great, right? I can break any law. I don't. Jesus said you don't have to follow the rules. That's not what I'm saying. Not what I'm saying at all. Right? There, is, there are some important laws. There's important laws and rules all over the place, right? Could you imagine if we had no traffic laws in America today, how many people would die? I mean, literally, right? What's that yellow line down the road for? I don't know. We don't have no rules around here, right? You get hit by a Mack truck, right? So there are some laws and rules that we want to follow, right? Like brush your teeth, right? It's, a, it's not a law, but it's a good thing to do, right? My, my kids are going to have to brush their teeth every day, you know? You know which teeth you have to brush, right? The ones you want to keep, <laughs> right? So you don't repeal the rule, right? The rules to help people brush your teeth, right? Traffic rules are help us from killing each other. So, you know, there's rules in churches that we should follow. Like, what, what if one of you came to me or Pastor Lindsay and you bore your soul about things that you're, you're struggling with, and then we decided, you know, there's no rule about confidentiality. We're just going to tell the whole church what you just said to me, right? That'd be horrifying. Right? So there is a place for rules, there are a place for guidelines, there are a place for laws in our society, right? But sometimes we can be like the Pharisees and we can get so focused on those that we love them more than the people we're trying to help. That was a problem with the Pharisees. They loved the rules more than they loved the people that the rules were made for, right? right? God gave the people of Israel 613 rules because he wanted to help them out, right? Like, do not murder. That's a good kind of a rule. Right? Don't commit adultery. That's a good kind of a rule. Jesus you know, gave those rules to the people of Israel to help people out. Right? It also set them apart. People are like, well, why are you acting this way when the culture is acting this way? Because we love God and God asked us to do this. Right? Now, there's some rules in there. There's 613 commands. One of them is what to do when you find a bird's nest. Right? That's not going to affect your life. It's not going to affect your eternal damnation or salvation. Right? But it, how you treated that bird's nest said whether or not you were the people of God or not. So it set people apart. It, there was rules for to help people, you know, have a good life to the full um, and those sorts of things. It also showed obedience to God and faith in God. But the, the Pharisees missed that. It became about their power, their enforcement. And so the rules were made to help people. And the Pharisees now love the rules more than they love people. And they probably love the rules more than they love God. So Jesus says, don't let these rules become a burden. And again, there's some rules we need to follow. We probably still want to kill people. We don't want to have affairs, right? Those kind of things keep us in good relationships with God, keep us in good relationships with each other, right? And some of us, we need guidelines, like, right? If you're like me, like following God, being in a relationship with God, like, I don't know where to start. Like, give me some help. Give me some guidance. Like, I've been to school for that, right? And I still have questions about that. And, and so, I think all of us who are trying to follow God would like someone to say, if you'd like to follow God, these are some things you should consider. Right? I remember I was teaching a Bible study one time at a, at a former church that I was serving, and one of my goals was to help the people in the, in the Bible study learn how to interpret the Bible for themselves. And I really wanted to help give them the tools to be able to do that, but I don't think I communicated that very well. I said, you know, looking forward to hear what you think about Scripture. And I had this guy come up. He's a young guy. His name was Troy. Uh, and he did, he did landscaping all around Charlotte for like big homes and all these elaborate places, just, just beautiful work. He might have done some work for some of your yards. And, 
he was a Christian and he loved God and he also was a woodworker. So he'd make these little wooden crosses and whenever he was doing landscaping in people's yards, he would bury them in, in, in the landscaping because he wanted them to have a foundation in Christ whether they knew God or not, right? You, you might have a house somewhere with one of these crosses buried in your yard somewhere. It's just a cool guy. When I told him, I'm looking forward to hear how you interpret the Bible, he's like, hey, you know what, that's great, but I don't know how to interpret the Bible. I'm in this class so that you can teach me how to do this, so that you can, you've studied the Bible. I want your wisdom. If it's all about what I think about the Bible, I'm not coming back to this class. I need you to guide me. Right? So that was a lesson for me in how I talked about what I was trying to do in the class. But if you're trying to be in a relationship to God, it's good to know that there's certain practices that have happened for 2,000 years that help people follow God. How to read the Bible, right? how to pray, right? how to serve God. Right? We're serving God today. We're going to pack 10,000 meals. That, that's a way to help us reach people and, and do things and actually grow closer to God, right? But, but how do I pray? How do I read the Bible? How often do I do these things? That's, we need to talk about that. We need to set some expectations, but we don't want to become like the Pharisees where we get locked in, and if I haven't prayed five times today, then, then I don't have a relationship with God. It's, that's not how it is. Do you see the difference in that? It's easy for us to slip over to the legalistic side of things and forget why we're doing what we're doing. Why we're doing what we're doing in the midst of this. So one more passage of scripture. This actually came right before the passage that we just read. And Jesus is, is says this. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. How many of you here today in person or watching online feel weary and burdened and you need some rest from Jesus, especially when it comes to trying to follow God, right? Reading your Bible and praying, coming to church and worshiping and doing good things and all that sorts of things. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. If you can imagine an ox, right, like plowing a field has this wooden yoke that's connected to the guy or the gal who's, who's helping the ox plow the field, right? Put on that yoke and learn from me. My yoke is gentle and, and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, right? For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus said, you're tired, you're burdened, come to me, right? I will give you rest, right? And I, and I think about in terms of like trying to follow God, and this happens right before he comes into contact with the Pharisees. And, you know, one translation that I read from this, one commentary was talking about how there's, you know, 613 laws in the, in the Jewish religion, right, uh, which is our history too the old testament leads into christianity later in the in the gospel jesus is going to boil those down to two right they ask him what's the most important out of 613 things that's a lot to do what's the most important jesus boils it down to two things you remember what that is love god and love your neighbor as yourself and some people don't wonder if jesus was talking about my follow me right my burden is easy my yoke is light that kind of stuff we're saying jesus is taking the 613 commands and he's boiling it down to two just remember two things if you want to follow me love me love god and love your neighbor as yourself right he's making it easier for us right? taking that burden off of us right so as you're in a spiritual relationship pursuing a spiritual relationship you might be putting a lot of pressure on yourself right jesus doesn't want you to feel pressure or stressed right he wants it to be a good experience. He wants to, it's, it's a relationship. You're just spending time with Jesus. How do we spend time with Jesus? He doesn't want us to be burdened in that. 
That doesn't mean they're not going to be frustrated, right? There's going to be things in the Bible we will never understand. There's going to be things that we pray for that we don't get the answers that we want. There's going to be frustrations. But he wants the relationship to be one that is is good. And you don't feel pressured or guilt that you're doing it the wrong way. So what's the point today? What's the big idea? What's the takeaway? It's what I think it is. We seek a person, not a principle. We want to be in a relationship with Jesus, the Son of God. He's a very special person. We're not in it for the rules or the regulations or the laws, right? They point us to God, right? Love God. Love your neighbor yourself. We seek a person, not a principle. So a few things you might consider doing. One of them as an action step and follow-up to this is don't let a good thing become a burden, right? If your prayer life has become like a burden to you, Maybe it's time to take a step back and shake it up. If reading scriptures become a burden to you, right? Take a step back, shake it up. If your small group has become a burden to you or serving God at the church or worshiping God, right? If it becomes a burden, right? Maybe step back right, and ask yourself why you're doing what you're doing. Right? Don't give up on God. Don't give up on these things. But right, don't let a good thing become a burden, right? Another thing to do, right? Try out some spiritual practices, Try a different way of praying. Try reading the Bible in a different way, a different translation, right? Fewer verses, more verses, that kind of thing, right? If you need help with this, you can talk to anyone on staff, talk to me, talk to Pastor Lindsay, get in a small group, right? We, we do these things together, right? Read scripture, we worship God, we pray, we're in small groups, we serve, right? Those are some of the ways that we grow close to God. And maybe it's time for you to try something new, right? A different, tra- a different way of praying, something like that. We can help you with that. Right? An example is you can just get out your Bible, turn in the very middle, the book in the middle, it's called Psalms, and you want to learn how to pray. The people who prayed the Psalms, right, they were brutally honest with God. Right? Some of them were yelling at God, some of them were crying with God, some of them were praising God. Right? If, if, like Psalm 13, if you feel uh, forgotten. Right? Read Psalm 27 if you feel anxious. Read Psalm 16 if you need encouragement. Right? If you're looking for a place to start a relationship with God, maybe just open the Bible in the middle of the book and read one of those a day. It's not a rule, but it's it's a guideline, something that you might want to do. And then finally, action step, give yourself a break, right? I just don't feel close to God. I feel like I'm I'm a failure at being in a relationship to God, right? Give yourself a break. Talk to someone who can help you, maybe a Christian friend, someone in your small group, someone at the church, right? Give yourself a break and see what happens. Just last week, my family and I were on spring break. And uh, we were down at the beach, and we had a good time. Boys were out of school, and we appreciate you guys letting us have that time away. And uh, we got in the ocean, and it was freezing. <laughs> you know, it's been like 90 degrees the week since we've been back. When we were down there, it was freezing. And so we took down uh, our wetsuits. Uh, my sons, Luke and Nathan, and I are the ones that get in the water. Laura doesn't like to get in the water. So uh, we had two wetsuits, mine and Nathan's. We had our wetsuits. Uh, but Luke, if you've seen him, he's growing like... Uh, faster than lightning and so he's outgrown his wetsuit and so he didn't have one and so we went into town we went into a wings you guys ever been in a wing store right probably been there and so we, we went into wings we're trying to find luke a wetsuit i know you guys are feeling so sorry for us you know poor people gotta go and buy a wetsuit it's too cold to get in the ocean all right so we go into wings uh to get a wetsuit and so my mother-in-law's in the car she's waiting on us luke and nathan and i go in we're looking around we go up to the desk to ask for the wetsuit uh, there's like four ladies behind the desk working at Wings. In the meantime, my wife, Laura, has like just a small bag of trash we had, and she was walking around looking for an outdoor trash can to put it in while we're going to get the wetsuit. And so the four ladies behind the counter, one of them walks up, you know, I said, hey, do you guys have any wetsuits? And she was thinking about it, but then the other three were kind of getting 
excited about something. They're pointing outside, and they're like, hey, there's a lady out there, and she's trying to throw her trash out in our, in our trash, and we don't have an outdoor trash can. She's probably going to come in here and try to throw her trash in here. And, and so one of them literally sprints down the counter. They had like a, a trash can behind the counter about this tall, and they grab the trash can, and they run, and they hide it, right? This is my wife that, you know, who's out there doing this, you know. So I'm just waiting. I'm waiting, right? So Laura can't find an outdoor trash can. She comes in the front door, and I said, you know, um, after I'd asked him if they had a wetsuit, I'm like, you know, that's my wife. What's the problem, right? So by this time, Laura's come up, and she's with me, and I grab the trash out of her hand. I'm like, are you telling me we can't throw away this piece of trash in your wing store? that you would sprint down the counter, grab your trash can, and hide it because you don't have an outdoor trash can. And she's like, is it a dirty diaper? <laughs> On one hand, I was a little flattered. She thought we were young enough to have an infant. <laughs> but I was also very angry. I'm like, you're telling me a potential customer, right, just ask you to buy a wetsuit, you won't take this trash from us. Right? Now, I'll tell you what I wanted to do. <laughs> I wanted to take that trash and just drop it on the counter and walk out the door. I also literally thought about telling Laura and the boys, okay, guys, go grab everything that you can, right? Sweatshirts, jacks, whatever. Get all the expensive stuff you want. Let's bring it back up here. Let them ring it up, you know. And then say, oh, you know what? We changed our mind. We're leaving, right? <laughs> That's not a very Christian pastor kind of <laughs> process. Right? That's what went through my head, right? What I ended up doing, I was like, okay, fine. You want to throw this away? We're not going to burden you with our trash. We're going to take it elsewhere and also take our business elsewhere. Right? Now, if my kids hadn't been there, I probably would have done something worse. <laughs> I'm sorry to say. But you know why I got so mad? Because they let a rule, whether it was written down or unwritten, right, no outside trash, get in the way of the relationship with a person, a customer. You know why I was really mad? Their actions made me and my family feel like trash. Made me and my family feel like trash because of a rule more important than a person. Jesus does not want you to feel like trash, brothers and sisters. He doesn't want you to feel that you're not good enough to follow him, that you're not praying hard enough, that you're not reading the Bible enough, that you're not serving enough. Jesus doesn't want you to feel like trash. He loves you. And he wants to be in a loving, personal relationship with you. And he doesn't want any of that stuff to get in the way. We desire a relationship with a person, not a principle. Don't let a good thing become a burden. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.